Hello, you're listening to Rosie and Jessica's Day of Fun, episode 57, Badgers and Plates. Enjoy the show. I'm Rosie. I'm Jessica. And you're listening to Rosie Rosie and Jessica's Jessica's Day of Fun. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Rosie. It feels like only 16 hours since last I saw you. Yeah, how time flies. When it's literally 16 hours since last I saw you. Yeah, that we would do it. a nice dinner. We did. It's very tasty. It was very tasty. Yeah, it was nice there, wasn't it? The it was, pop- although the coleslaw, insufficient. If you're suggesting that your sides for a burger are chips and a coleslaw, that coleslaw was, I would describe as a smear. Yeah, it was very much a garnish. Mm. And then the we want plates principle. Served on a kind of weird chopping board. It was served on a, a short plank. And you got a bowl of chips, your burger, and then in the middle, like a a little coleslaw nubbin. I mean, that's a weird word to use, but yeah, sure. All of the other things I was going to say made this sound much ruder. Disgusting. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for not going without then. No, I had a lovely time. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? What have you been up to? I went to see Pitch Perfect the other day. Oh, Pitch Perfect well, 2. Pitch Perfect 2. Although, actually, I watched Pitch Perfect, the original, yesterday, because I got it on DVD from the supermarket. Oh, as we discussed. I'm glad you followed through with that plan. I did that. I just watched them in the wrong order, is what <laughs> happened there. It was a prequel, I believe, Pitch Perfect. Yes. Yes, it was. Yes. And how was Pitch Perfect 2? Uh, it's good fun. Um, I think the first one is probably better, but I, uh, I still a enjoyed sequel, it. A sequel not as good as the original, you don't say. So, you know, hardly a surprise there. But yeah, still, still enjoyable. They managed to get all the gang back together. Not literally the gang were all ready together because mm. they're all still at college, but film-wise the cast was the same. So that oh, was lovely. good. I like consistency between these, these things. I would be furious if minor characters did not return. Yeah. Did Elizabeth Banks, do you know if she directed this one or did she just produce it again? No, she directed this one. Great. And she had the highest grossing weekend for a debut director. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, she's hardly starting her career. No. But as a first-time director, oh, that's grand. I really like Elizabeth Banks. I do. Although I I feel I should confess that until about two-thirds of the way through the first Hunger Games film, I was telling our dad that Effie Trinket was Rachel McAdams. It's not awkward. It's what, But she's so good in those. And she gives them all little gold things so that they show that they're all part of a team, even though she's from the capital. She's really good. I get quite emotional when I think about the Hunger Games, Jessica. Okay, um, a confession. I haven't read them. That's fine. Oh dear. And I'd just come out of hospital and I read them all in one week. I remember that. I do too. Great times. I was going to go and see Mad Max Fury Road, but uh, not got around to it. I have to say, as after I left you, I was walking past the Curzon Cinema and they did have a showing that had started three minutes earlier and I thought, I could definitely go into this showing of Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, they'll Road. still be doing the uh, adverts at that point. They wouldn't have been doing the trailers, they'll just be doing the adverts. The commercials. But instead, I came home and watched two episodes of Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. Great plan! Yeah, that sounds charming. <laughs> Nearly half an hour of adverts and trailers we had. Well, when we went to see Avengers Age of Ultron, we got into the cinema and they showed you know, adverts and they did one trailer which was for a film. I think it was for Spy. And then they did three trailers in a row for live theatrical events. So they had the National Theatre live, the Pirates of Penzance from the ENO as directed by Mike Lee, which instantly I'd quite like to see you need to get, get on that. Okay, noted. Stephen leaned across and said, are we in the right cinema? Because it just seemed so unusual that your lead trailers before Avengers Age of Ultron 
in its opening week would be Mike Lee's The Pirates of Penzance live from the ENO at the Coliseum. And then I was on edge for another 20 minutes because I thought, oh my God, I've accidentally taken us to that cinematic version of the National Gallery where you walk around the National Gallery for two hours and we're going to have to leave and we're at the back in the corner. And it was fine. It was Avengers. But I've never felt so happy when the certificate came up. <laughs> I always find that a moment of relief because you think, well, who's to say what we're about to see? And then it comes up and it says the BBFC have declared this an acceptable film for you, Rosie, to watch. I'm 25. I can actually watch whatever I like. But why would you? Yeah, why would I only watch yous? I've been watching Hello, Dolly for the past three days. How's that panning out for you so <laughs> well, far? Well, I finished it. I think the most off-putting thing is when you realise that kind of the romantic lead is Walter Matthau. That's not a thing. Oh. The best way to watch Hello, Dolly is to watch Wally. Yes, I can I can understand that. Well, I'm I'm glad you saw Pitch Perfect and it was good. It was, it was enjoyable. I did not go to the cinema, but I did have a big viewing last weekend when I hosted a Eurovision party. Yay! And it was, oh, it was a roaring success. I was quite nervous beforehand because I didn't know how many people were going to turn up. At first I thought too many people were going to come. And then a friend of the show, Lewis, and his boyfriend arrived at at the start time. But then nobody else came for a while. I thought, am I just going to host a Eurovision dinner party with Lewis and Ben? Which I would have loved, frankly. And I made a pulled pork, which I'd got out of bed at 7.30 in the morning to put on and then gone back to bed. And at one point during the day, I was meant to be getting ready and instead I was watching Simon Russell Beale's Symphony and knitting. I thought, this is not getting ready for the party. But that sounds charming. Oh, I mean, that was a lovely afternoon in itself. And uh, lots of my close, beloved friends turned up and we ate great food and they brought tons of food and I've not had to go shopping all week because I've just been eating Eurovision leftovers. That's the best kind of food, party leftovers. And we did a sweepstake, we actually did it all properly and I found some Union Jacks in the house that looked like they may have been used on the original VE day and I hung them from the mirrors and we got it all set up. We watched at the show, obviously. A couple of people voted. I'm not doing that, it was 16p to vote. No, thank you. I mean, I loved Serbia's song. Extraordinary. But um, I'm not paying 16p. Ultimately, it was just a delightful evening. And there was great cake. A little bit of great cake from me. But this week's Needle and Fed, I would like to talk about a cake somebody else made. It was that good. I saw the pictures. I know the cake it will be. And I'm super excited. I mean, as usual, the songs, they passed me by. Uh, We liked Serbia. Australia had actually a decent song that one might listen to in the club. So... They couldn't win because they brought too much quality. The UK one, I liked in principle because I like sort of retro vintage things. I loved their Tron dresses, hilarious. But neither of them had very nice voices. And I would describe the Louis Armstrong impression in the middle of the song as dubious at best. And I do a Louis Armstrong impression. And I know there's there's a line. And I would not do my Louis Armstrong impression in Eurovision. I wouldn't do it in front of anyone I'm not directly related to. In that I only like to inflict it upon you and our parents. Inflict is the correct word. Yeah, I thought uh, the song was was decent. Um, And I hadn't heard it until um, last weekend as well. I'm not sure how I managed that. I would like to remain pure. I don't want to watch any of it until Saturday night. People were saying, oh, this is meant to be good. I don't want to know. But I thought the the execution could have been more interesting. Hmm. Um, and I actually, I know one of the dancers, uh, and she did a lovely job. Of course. Yeah, actually, the, the show element with all the lights and stuff for us was quite was to good. To look at it was very good. I just thought that the main two were And unfortunately, the UK are the hateful pariah of Europe, so no one's voting for us because they like us. 
Oh, no, I was told by a, a genuine German a few years ago that actually nobody hates us as much as we think they do. Oh, what? So that was our Eurovision party. And the next day, I watched television all day. That sounds great. Oh, it was brilliant. Listeners will be pleased to hear that I finished my essay, my essay that I was in the middle of writing when we last recorded, and that delayed last episode's appearance. And I got it all in a day early, and I managed to find and edit out the sentence that included the phrase, Glinda's intervention in the poopy fields. (laughs) Ah, that's a shame. I did mean Poppy. And I thought, well, if I leave this in, that is hilarious, but also I don't want to write poopy in a master's level essay. The poopy fields. What's great about it is it still makes sense as a sentence. (laughs) It does, yes. Um, But I think you would lose points for uh, ineffectual editing. Yeah. Or lose points for gross misunderstanding. And I use the word gross on many levels. Gross misunderstanding of the text. Yes, I think think the markdown you would get would not be worth the hilarity of including the word poopy in an essay. (laughs) And since then, I've been watching a lot of Once Upon a Time. I must start watching that. Yeah, the other night I thought, I'll just finish off this one episode where Grumpy the Dwarf falls in love with a nun. And go to bed. Four episodes and three hours later, it was nearly midnight. And I thought, no, what have I done? Well, the other day I was watching Daredevil and I, I watched one episode. Um, and I thought, oh, the next episode's nearly an hour long. I can't commit to that right now. So what, what did I do? I watched three episodes of Grace and Frankie. Which would have been an hour. Oh, easily. More than. Uh, finished the series. Uh, excellent work. It's been recommissioned for uh, 2016. I think Netflix might be the devil. That was the bank holiday after you came to my house. Oh, we should talk about that. We should, yeah. I was just thinking you've, d- you've done something else. Shall I let her get there by herself? No, no I would never have got there. I didn't tweet about it, which is where I do all my notes. What have I tweeted about? That was lovely. That green bean casserole was great. Did you like that? I've got some tinned green it. beans, which I might, I might uh, hit you up for the recipe. Yeah, that's fine. I've that's also fine. got some raspberry jelly, so I could make that green bean jelly thing from you could Lizzie Bennet Diaries, but I don't wish you. Yes, we all went for lunch at Jessica's on Bank Holiday Monday. When I say we all, I mean our parents and I, not... Not like the whole of Britain. Yeah, or like our listenership. Everyone around Jessica's haven't got enough chairs. Party every day. Uh, we went for, well, our parents and I went for a lovely walk. I stayed in... I went to stayed at home and... of The Good Wife. Yep. Do you know what? I'm poorly. And it was so well-timed because the episode finished just as you came in the house. And I said, this is great timing. My episode's just finished. So I started watching another one. <laughs> just the, yes, I, like, this would have been great. I'm like, yeah, I did see that. And then I... But, oh, it's really good. I alternate it with Once Upon a Time because they're different programmes. They fulfil different needs. That's true. Like Daredevil and Grace and Frankie. Yeah. I would say that Daredevil and Grace and Frankie probably fulfil even more disparate needs than Once Upon a Time and The Good Wife. Yeah. The Good Lawyer, of course, as we should call it. Correct. Mm. Correct. Mermanism. With Dan Rydell. Yes, and Casey McCall. Is that his name? Yeah, Casey McCall. He's not there, because that's a, a different that's show. That's a different programme. But... And yet you've never watched The West Wing. No, that's true. They're very different programmes. Points if anyone knows what, what show we're talking about. Oh, I would hope so. Did you have a nice walk? We did, yeah, it was lovely. Okay, um, that's great. Let me talk more about The Good Wife. <laughs> <laughs> There's a park behind my house, which is uh, very pleasant. Um, I've run through it a few times. Totally got in <laughs> on a run, not like being chased that we know of. You know, like when you're running, running towards the swings, or you're running away from Satan or the neighbor's dog. Bad name for a dog. Totally started running. Oh, Turns okay. out I'm an amazing runner. I can run for several minutes, 
without wow. nearly dying. So yeah, I'm, I'm basically a semi-professional runner now. I've been for like four runs. But there's a yeah, there's a lovely park that is nice to run through, but also nice to go for a wander through and explore. Um, and there are some nice sort of formal gardens there, which I didn't didn't even know about. So we went through there. We found the pub, which will be handy for next time. And then we came home and had a cup of tea with you. Um, I did one other thing this week that I've just remembered. Um, I went to a hen party. Oh, what? With some girls from work and had a lovely time. How was your hen party? Not your hen party. Unless, Jessica, do you have something to tell me? It was great fun. It was two of the, two of the girls from work are getting married. To each other? No, to two of the boys from work. Oh, actually, one of the couples is already married. So, yeah, we had a lovely night out. That's not how that works. Just go with it. Okay. <laughs> this is the Pitch Perfect 2 followed by Pitch Perfect 1 all over again. Yes. We got all dressed up and we went to a place called Salvador and Amanda's, which uh, is a bar that does like tapas and sangria and has lots of Salvador Dali videos playing. On... It's themed around the works of Salvador Dali and Amanda Bynes. That is exactly it. Uh, a lot of hair capes. <laughs> I was trying to remember what weird stuff she'd said. Great, great reference. And uh, it's like a hair cape and a handlebar moustache. That's kind of the, the direction you have to go in. You're on fire today. Stop, drop, and roll. Sorry, I've got a blanket. Hang on. That'd be a great name for a band. Or a song. Oh my god, it would be. Or an album. I think song. Yeah. By the Fire Blankets. I don't know if you can put the word blankets in a band's name. It's a little baby. Oriented. Orientated. Oriented. Orientated. I can never decide. Focused. Do you have a song? (laughs) I do. My song is Birdhouse in Your Soul by They Might Be Giants from their album Flood. Formed in uh, Massachusetts in 1982. Not the album, the band. That is a really good song. It is. Oh, let's stop recording so we can just go and listen to that song for a bit. Let's not. Okay, see you in a minute. I also do rather like the uh, the version from Pushing Daisies with Kristen Chenoweth and Ellen Green. Oh, I'm pleased. I, I knew that there was a cover version in my head somewhere. Sorry, I don't thank you from. Oh, Pushing Daisies. Such mm. lovely eyebrows, such height, such pies. Mmm, pie. Top fives! Top fives. Okay. So Spring Watch is back on. I think this is spring how we came here, up. Spring is here. Spring is here. Life is Skittles and life is beer. It's really easy to write songs about Spring Watch because it's hosted by Michaela Strachan and Chris Packham. Yes, and Michaela Strachan already has a song about her. That's true. So Spring Watch, for those of you who don't know, is a BBC programme that appears every year. And it's sister show Autumn Watch. And it just does bits of nature that are happening. Um, birds fledging. Um things eating other things yep a lot of lot of eating of things you think this is going to be some delightful twee no wind of the willows business it is for approximately two minutes before something dies uh anyway from death to top fives great segue rosie um uh one of my favorite animals one of the my favorite animal is featured heavily on spring watch so today we'll be talking about our top five animals yay because it was that of European countries in a belated Eurovision segment. <laughs> Latvia! And we didn't want to start some sort of incident. So... Oh my god, can you imagine if we started a land war? Never get involved in a land war. In, in Asia. Asia. In Iceland. It's your turn to go first with your top five animals. Okay, well, this is quite a big topic and I can't believe we've not done it yet, but at the same time I can totally understand why we've not done it yet. <laughs> it is, it almost seems too big. I had trouble narrowing it down. I feel like we need, maybe we should have gone for some sort of animal category i've gone a bit more wide-ranging okay but not entirely uh up first do you want to say your catchphrase in no particular order i'm going to go straight in with hamsters 
because we had pet hamsters when we were little. Yeah. And I googled animals because I couldn't think of it. Did you just Google the word animals? No, I googled cute animals and I googled cool animals because cute animals is just pictures. Well, cool animals is any animal wearing sunglasses, so that will be no use. Absolutely. Unless number two is animals wearing sunglasses. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, so uh, hamsters and then number two hamsters and sunglasses. Uh, And I just find it cool the way they keep their entire dinner in their faces. And there's a picture of a hamster with like an entire carrot in its face. Yeah, I've seen that picture. That's hilarious. Think how handy it would be. You could just, you wouldn't even need to make a packed lunch because you wouldn't need to like get out the Tupperware or sort of chop anything up or arrange anything. You just stuff everything into your face and go out to work. As a child, I had a hamster who I was very scared of. I didn't really. Cadbury. Cadbury. Um, <laughs> what were my interests as a child? Chocolate and not touching my pets. And I've I've only in recent years become more comfortable with the idea of animals. Still haven't been near one, but I couldn't really. I didn't like picking her up. She made me nervous. But then at university, my housemate Laura had a, a pet hamster, with whom not with whom over whom she ended up in a custody battle. Nightmare. Custard everywhere. <laughs> Awkward. Surely that sketch has been done. Darcy the hamster and Darcy the hamster lived downstairs but it was Yorkshire so it was cold so he got moved upstairs to outside my bedroom door and I didn't know so I could just hear this scratching noise and the next day I said I didn't know what this noise was and I said what do you think it was do you think it was the hamster I said no I thought it was the devil I genuinely thought there was the devil scratching at my door (laughs) but it was actually Darcy the hamster having a lovely time nocturnal animals so not actually great as a first pet because a child will never see it until it dies and you lay it out in a shoebox yeah in a little Clark's green shoebox yeah that you've had your uh, your little patent mary jane's with the key in where you could put the key in and turn it and then the little jewel appeared in the heel and instead it becomes a resting place for a dead hamster yeah okay so this is a really cheery segment number two number two please be a live animal hedgehogs yes <clears throat> i met a hedgehog a little while ago i mean i've met a hedgehog before there was, there was sid who i just found in the middle of the street on the way home from work one day was he alive he was just hedgehogging about don't curl up I went back out to check on him because I thought it was unusual that there was a hedgehog just in the middle of the pavement. But I suspect he'd gone, oh, God, there's like a giant thing walking towards me. Uh, just stop. Don't curl up. He hadn't curled up, but then he, he was gone when I went back. So that was Sid. He was, he was a cool hedgehog, probably. He was just, like, chilling out. Was he wearing sunglasses? Well, he wasn't because it was nighttime. You can get uh, domestic hedgehogs as pets. And I cannot remember what the name of the he- points Poinks is the name of the hedgehog. Was not expecting that noise. My friend Shona was hog sitting, uh, so I, I held a hedgehog. I've got a picture of it somewhere. I'll dig it up. Um, and they're they're really cool the way they curl up. They don't just roll up like wood lice. They sort of fold their their spines and the skin that their spines are attached to sort of round them, so their legs are kind of enclosed. And then it's it's like it's fascinating. So you know there's like rub- like a tangle tamer. No, well those hairbrushes. Oh yes, exactly like that with the mirror, the travel hairbrushes that that fold up and then you unfold them. They've got the mirror in one side and then you pop the thing exactly like that. I was going for those things that you turn inside out and you stick down on the desk and then they ping up and you have to catch them. I have to say the hairbrush is more apt because because it's got the spikes. And also hedgehogs don't ping up from a table if you turn them. They don't, no. No, that is true. I haven't done the experiments though. We'll go with yours. Fine, fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. Adorable. Don't leave them milk. Leave them cat food in a tube. Yes. Yes, you should. Got a week's worth of spring watch facts. And they have little hedgehog chocolatey treat things that they eat. Hedgehogs. And they get cold and they you have to do them like a little little heating pad, like a little hot water bottle. Oh, I thought you and they have lots of little, little blankets. I don't know how the blanket would work with the how the jumper would work with the rolling up. Oh a loose a loose gauge so it stretches. 
<laughs> very a rip. It would have to be ripped. That's what I mean. Uh, well, as you recall, the toy patterns we talked about, and there was a man called Alan, and he had knitting patterns of toys, and one of them was a hedgehog that was hibernating, and it was a hedgehog wearing a dressing gown and carrying a cup of coffee. Amazing. Alan Dale? No, he's from Robin Hood. Seems unlikely. <laughs> Alan Dale's knitting patterns. No, Alan Dale is uh, is an actor. He dies of a heart attack and everything to the tune of Hallelujah. He's in Once Upon a Time. I'm waiting for him to drop dead of a heart attack. Well, that's his character fated, isn't it? Yeah, number three. Number three. Labrador puppies, but really fat ones. Oh, yes. That, like, get overexcited about stuff and run towards things. Uh, maybe, like, chocolate Labrador puppies. But ones that may be genetically modified so they'll always be puppies, but will have no health downsides to this human intrusion. The breeding of dogs is just terrible. Never buy a purebred dog because it's basically torturous eugenics. Yeah, always go to Battersea Dogs Home or wherever. Like just the get local. a little lovely runt. Rescue, be a rescue parent. I saw a thing on Tumblr the other week. They had pictures of dogs in the 30s and the equivalent of the same breed now. And they're just... They're just really rubbish versions because it's like Dachshunds and their legs. They look like sausage rolls. You couldn't walk on those. They're far too short. And what are those ones with the big wobbly faces that are all folded up? Like pugs. Yeah, like pugs. Or French bulldogs. Yeah, and like they've just got acres of... like You just have to scrabble around for ages to find their mouths because you're just trying to get through all the flappy skin on their faces. Yeah, and sometimes they have too much skin on their faces and they have to have little little pug cosmetic surgery. That's no life to lead. You already look like you've smashed into a wall. I mean, you've already had some sort of mishap if you, yeah, if you're a bulldog. This is a very depressing top fives. It's not going that well, is it? Jeez. Uh, anyway, think. Let's go back to thinking about puppies. Fat Labrador puppies. Oh. Puppies. Do you want to do your number Yay. four? Number four. If it's vultures or something, I'm leaving. Ah, uh, quokka. The happiest animal on the planet. Never. If you don't know what a quokka is, uh, it's an Australian marsupial about the size of a domestic cat. Google the word quokka which is spelled Q-U-O-K-K-A, and you'll be presented by a picture of the happiest mammal in the world. Always looks like he's smiling. Now, we have known of quokkas for a while because they get mentioned in Ross Noble Goes Global when he's in Australia. They, he meets some drunk people who talk about quokka soccer, and I'd never seen a picture of one. And then in recent years, I've seen them on the internet. And they, you know, they're on Google. They, uh, they own their own little Etsy stores, these quokkas. Yeah, they have Tumblr and stuff. <laughs> but they are the sweetest, happiest up pictures animals. of birthday cakes. Knocking your sayos off. Oh my goodness. Quokkas. They are happy creatures. Number five, yes. wolf. Wolf. <laughs> All right, Gina. Need I say more? Diefenbaker. I was going down the Diefenbaker route. He's actually only half wolf. I was going down the Gina from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I, I know, wolves. I got that. I got that, yeah. Wolf yeah. blankie. Okay. Wolfie. Yeah. Is it my turn? I don't think I need to elaborate on that. It's a wolf. Is it me? Yeah. Number one. Number one. Weasels, brackets, stoats. <laughs> okay. We've already made okay. some reference to the animals of Farthing Wood, a television yes, program slash series of books slash children's magazine with which I was quite obsessed in my youth. You had all of them. Bar issue 63. Never forget. That's right. I've recycled them now because I don't need that. And it wasn't even a complete collection. And it wasn't a complete collection, so I might as well burn the lot. And also, Child Rosie had coloured them. Farthing Wood Friends magazine. The Weasel character, Weasel, not imaginatively named, although her husband was Roly. They didn't get married. I'm, I've gone off topic. Weasel is the best character. She was a kind of shrieking, hilarious loudmouth with whom, for some reason, I identified. I love her, and from that, I like Weasels. And then on Springwatch this week, they've had a stoat who, stotally awesome. What's the difference between a Weasel? 
You can't wash your hands in a buffalo. Exactly. And stoats, you can tell because they've got a white brush on the end of their tail. Uh, but they just run in a very elegant manner. And this mama stoat, at one point, she had a whole baby crow in her mouth. Again, the beautiful death of nature. Number two, red squizzles. I knew you'd have squirrels on there, mostly because you can say squizzle. Yeah, I really like saying squizzle. Um, it was very difficult for me not to have a list entirely of woodland creatures. But I had to have this one, and obviously we'll come to a, a later one. Um, the red squirrel is the superior squirrel, because they're British and that's better. What? Uh, but <laughs> they're a lovely colour. They're a lovely colour. And I recently replaced uh, in my Everyone bedroom... should be a sort of rossity colour, I find. Mango copper burst from a... That's what they're using. Uh, yeah. I recently, in my bedroom, replaced a framed photo of myself. I put instead of a photo of a red squirrel that I cut from National Trust magazine <clears throat> in the same frame. Well done, you. I think that shows a huge amount of personal growth. I really like red squirrels. Number three, pigs. As a child, my favourite animal was the pig. Yeah, it was. Not least because they are delicious sliced and fried between bread. What? Baby piglets. They were looking at these on Countryfile. Baby piglets are piglets. That's a tautological thing. In that I said the same thing twice. Tautology joke. Piglets, adorable. Pigs, quite adorable. Although sometimes they are a bit scowly. I like that there is a P.G. Woodhouse prize for comic fiction where when you win, you get a Gloucester Old Spot pig like the... Oh, is it even a Gloucester Old Spot? You get a pig that's like the Empress of Emsworth. An, an actual pig. Well, you don't have to take it home, but a pig is named after your book. In and your there is a photo right. opportunity with you and the pig. And like a Nebuchadnezzar of champagne. Pigs are actually enormous. We saw some at the farm when we went with brownies. Huge. Oh, you could easily ride them like a horse. Oh, easily. And George easily. Clooney, before... He married, a lot before he married. But he used to live with a pig. George Clooney's... This is not a lie. George Clooney's best friend was a pig who you used to share his bed and he was very upset when he died. They lived for a long time. I've not... You're looking around like I've gone mad. This is actually the most factual thing I've said this episode. Are you about to search George Clooney pig? No. <laughs> yeah. While you do further research on pigs and beloved Hollywood actors, I will discuss okay. number four. Okay, the Golden sure Lion Tamarind. Oh, wow. Rosie's just doing a tour of her childhood obsessions. <laughs> I hate monkeys. I really hate monkeys. Tamarins are similar to monkeys, but there was a thing like when you became a child member of London Zoo or something, there, there, some child zoo thing. Not a child zoo. That's very different. Their mascot was a golden lion tamarind. And I just became really obsessed with golden lion tamarinds. I hope it's not like that weird creature I saw when I went to Colchester Zoo the other year, because we saw a monkey with the face of a goblin. And then an orangutan wearing a headscarf. <laughs> Time. Memories. <laughs> Golden Lion Tamarins, quite cute, once made a puppet of one in school, and we had to make an animal puppet, and obviously all the other children in my class, you know, you might think that little Rosie was being clever by doing a fancy animal. No, because if you make a dog, that's much easier than making a Golden Lion Tamarind puppet. Ah, oh, out of corduroy. Number I five. It. I think Number I've still five. got it. And um, I found a bit of shiny gold pleather for which I used, made part of its face. Number five. Number five. Badges. There it is. Yes. In a particular order, we are finishing on an absolute high. As our mum said as we went round a knitting and stitching show last year, Rosie, why badges? <laughs> <laughs> why not badges? I actually don't know where the badger thing came from. It's like my Judy Garland thing. I really like Judy Garland because I really like Judy Garland. They're kind of self-fulfilling, um, perpetual badger-loving energy. They're really fun. They're really adorable. 
even the big ones. So baby badgers are very cute, but fully grown badgers are basically scaled up versions. They aren't. They don't change that much. So they are adorable. They live in woodlands, so that's great. You've got the badger from The Wind in the Willows, hilarious. But also, they are very cute, vicious bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Which I've only recently begun to appreciate. And that's that's not what I seek in life. But on Spring Watch, every episode this week, they have referenced something that happened last year, where a badger got into the scrape in the Minsmere Reserve, and in 24 minutes ate 19 avocet nests, which was the equivalent of 5,000 calories of eggs and newly hatched avocets on a spree. I mean, that is commitment to avocet buffet. That is. I mean, that's like doing the McDonald's drive-in think that's not enough. It's all right. Burger King's coming up. Or... Because they were all avocets. That's all right. We'll just go to this other McDonald's. Just No, just drive around the block and back in again. Keep going through. Badgers are adorable. Their favourite activity is grooming each other. They like to collect bracken for their nests, which they drag back in a little bum shuffle. They can climb a tree to the height of five metres. That's more than you can do. <laughs> exactly. I literally couldn't climb it up to a foot. If you've never seen footage of a badger climbing a tree, you've just not lived... And I'm not talking honey badgers here. If you think I'm talking about honey badgers, you need to stop. I would like you to unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> or subscribe and resubscribe, because it gives a good boost to our numbers. Un- no, subscribe and un- Anyway, badgers, they're the best. Oh, I love uh, them so. Good. Our show notes is just going to be 18 pictures of those baby badgers, isn't it? There's a really good picture of somebody holding five baby badgers in their arms. If you search baby badgers on Google Images, it'll come up on your first page. Yeah, George Clooney's pot-bellied pig was called Max. It weighed 300 pounds, and it shared his home for 18 years. He died peacefully of natural causes. And afterwards, a lovely barbecue was held in his honour. Clooney, 45, added that he had no plans to replace the pet. I think Max covered all my pig needs, he said. After 18 years of living with a pig, if you then felt that you had pig needs that hadn't been fulfilled. Honourable mentions? Max the giant pig? I've got a specific animal. but I'd like to say foxes, because, again, I could have done top five woodland creatures. You could have and... done top five animals of farthing wood. Yep, not birds. I don't trust monkeys and I don't trust owls. Foxes, great. Elegant. Rooting through your bins. Not elegant. No. Love a fox. The badger is the superior woodland creature, but the fox has has a strong... I basically have done this entire segment because I love badgers, Jessica. I know. I didn't know it was going to take me over like this. It was a thinly veiled... (laughs) I want to say cry for help. One of the... I think it was the Austrian commentators at Eurovision described our entry as a three-minute cry for help. (laughs) This podcast has been a three-year cry for help that you've just been mediating. Any more honourable mentions, Jessica? I don't think so. Okay, I would like to say a dog. I met a dog called Tickets two years ago, and it was the best dog I've ever met. It had its own teddy bear. Jessica. Well done, Tickets. Turtles. Because you can make them into a soup and then eat them from their own shell. And then afterwards, a hat. No? Was that what you were going for? Obviously, that's what I was going for. You were the vegan. They're just kind of cool. I would like to give an honourable mention to any of the badgers that didn't feel they were mentioned enough in the top five segment. Shout out to the badger massive. Yeah. And look, we've all given tuberculosis to cows. Um, we've all been there. We've all been there. Do your song. Okay, my song is Bucks Fizz, making your mind up. <laughs> uh, it's a good thing we both wore those uh, those extra skirts today. Yeah. I've been slowly ripping off skirts for the last 15 minutes. What a tune. What a tune. It's... Oh, I'm not even going to talk about it. What a song. Jessica, we haven't had this segment for a few weeks, but do you have a snack? I know. I do. Ginger snaps. That's what I was eating at the beginning of the... Oh, lovely, because I thought it was interference on the line. 
Now it's uh, lovely packet of biscuits. Oh, I've got some Sainsbury's Valley Bourbons downstairs. Needle and fed! Needle and fed. I've kind of done a little bit on my Yosemite Falls cardigan after long last, Jessica. After long last, I've done a little bit. What's that? Oh, yeah! I'm joking, nice. I've done loads. That's a visual gag, it doesn't work on this. But, I mean, it's got to the point where if I cast off now, I've got a little cropped waistcoat. The construction of this is very confusing, and that's partly what threw me last time. But I've in a week, I've just done an absolute ton, dear listener. So you do a provisional cast on, which is the shoulder line, and you knit down to where the armhole would be, and then you take a little bit off the ends of the provisional cast on and do the top of the fronts of the cardigan, and then you join it at the back to start doing the whole width. So you're then knitting one long row, which is all the way round. So you think, oh, this is going really quickly, and then that's because you realise that some bits you've been doing are 22 stitches per row, and now you're knitting the whole width of the cardigan, and it's 204 stitches a row, and I don't have to do any changes in the pattern until I've knitted four inches of it, and I've knitted... Uh, just under two inches so I, I, I'm kind of at a non-thinking stage but my lace work is going happily so this is going great guns it's entirely due to the fact that I am now slipping the stitch at the beginning of every row I had a terrible thing with my tension so I ended up with very big loopy stitches I hate the, I hate loopy stitches at the beginning of the row here we go loopy stitch can I recommend slipping your stitch at the beginning of every row it makes, gives a very neat edge okay noted I've not got many progress pictures because it's just been rocketing along. What I have also realised, I have about three times the amount of wool I'm going to need. So does anyone want a matching card, Jessica? <laughs> Do you want a matching card again? Um, sure. You could also knit yourself a hat and a scarf and a and pair of mittens to go with it. N- nobody has ever wanted a matching... Everyone wants that. It was suggested I could knit Rigby a romper suit. Oh my god, you could. No, knit yourself a hat, a scarf, a pair of mittens, and knit rugby a romper suit, and then carry rugby around while you're wearing your hat, your scarf, and your mittens, and your cardigan. Okay, that's good, because I didn't want anyone to think I was in any way normal. And socks. Knee socks. Yes. He's got knee socks on, his feet will get cold. (sighs) Don't even talk about Humphrey. He's the new cardigan. Oh dear. Uh, the thing is, he's only a couple of hours away from completion, but I'm so scared that I'm going to put him together wonky that he's now just sitting. He's actually like on display, but as a half-finished lump. Oh, that's not creepy at all. Um, I think it's probably inevitable that he will be lumpy, so maybe you should just go with that. Embrace the lump. Yeah. I don't ever want to use that phrase again. <laughs> uh, yeah, please don't. It's been a year since I was knitting this, and I feel like I've talked about it every episode since. So, so listeners, I mean, this is like the Twin Peaks what a weird reference to make. Um, you know, <laughs> this is a song. What I'm trying to say is, it's been long in the coming, in the making, and finally, that is... Oh, and I realised that the bit that was really frightening was optional. So I did not do actual maths. Actually, there was algebra, where you had to put in your own measurements and counting and things to put in horizontal bus darts. I'm not doing that. It was optional. So I didn't bother. Good. That sounds awful. Oh, I know. I just I would get to that point of the pattern and think, no. And then it said, you may want to. Wait a minute. I'm. That means I may not want to. So that's my card again. Um, and my plan for the rest of the day is I'm going to watch Little Voice. And I'm going to watch that. Oh, I like Little Voice. It's going off Netflix this evening. So. Noted. I've seen it many times before. Well, the first song she put on on her record player was Judy singing Come Rain or Come Shine. Yes. Why do I love I Judy mean... Garland? Because I love Judy Garland. Because you love Judy Garland. Uh, I made Banoffee Pie. Oh, yes, you did. Uh, first I've had banoffee pie for about, oh, I don't know, 15 years. I was quite pleased with it, because it tasted like banoffee pie. 
And because you'd use a coconut cream instead of the uh, dairy cream that uh, yep. you, might, you might traditionally have. Yep. Oh, it was lovely. I love coconuts. Uh, that was tasty. Yeah, it's a, a replacement for uh, for whipped cream. And this is the first time I tried it. Uh, you just get a, a carton of coconut cream, stick it in the fridge overnight, bung it in the KitchenAid the next morning, whisk it up, a little bit of vanilla and a little bit of icing sugar, and it just whips up into a lovely whipped topping. Mm. Like Cool Whip. Cool Whip. Whip. Oh, I can confirm. It was absolutely delicious. It was really good. I think it also improved in the fridge over the next few days. Most foods do. Any stew is better the next day. Yeah, especially anything with a tomato sauce. It needs to, like, brew. Mm. Which I don't really want to think about, but it is a fact. So for the Eurovision party, I made cupcakes, very plain vanilla cupcakes, but I decorated them so that they had Conchita Wurst's face on them. They were, yeah, sterling effort. Some of them were just glittery, some of them had red sparkles on, and some of them were Conchita Wurst. But I had did them quite quickly, and the pink icing, water icing I'd used, hadn't necessarily set. So some of them were a bit melty-faced. So the picture I've got is of a really good one. One of them looked at the spit of David Brent, and I ate <laughs> one that looked quite a lot like Fu Manchu. And one of them, actually all of them, had a slight Jesus vibe. You can't get away from that. But this, this was, you know, a fun Euro cake. But friend of the show, Lucy Harrison, a host of Symphonies and Snacks, produced, I mean... Just an astonishing piece of work. She arrived, uh, and there were, there were already some guests in the kitchen, and she went to assemble her cake. And I sort of made everyone come in on a tour, and I've never seen such a rapturous response. So she made a chocolate and Guinness cake, already delicious, but the reason it had Guinness in it was that it was a cake tribute to the Eurovision episode of Father Ted, where they write My Lovely Horse as a potential Eurovision entry. <laughs> and it was a cake that she had built up and cut frosted in green icing to look like Craggy Isle, and then, as I said, did you already own that toy horse or did you buy it specially? And there was a pause. Uh, she had bought specially a plastic lovely horse and a little fence to stick on it. And there was sugar lumps all over it so that it was a My Lovely Horse cake. And I've got a bit still uh, because, as I've said, I was trying to eat up all of the leftover food. So I've got the final slice of that. And it was it's absolutely delicious. I mean, so even there's something even about the frosting. It's it's easy to make a good frosting, but actually to make a really outstanding one that stands out, delicious. She kept the horse, which I think is fair. Lick the icing off its hooves, used again. Yeah, exactly. That's oh, why wouldn't you? I was about to say, why wouldn't you trot that out? I didn't even mean that one. Um, every Eurovision, she can make a horse cake. I also made two compotes and a soup in a row, separate. I only have one hob, and I had some vegetables which re- and fruits which really needed cooking. So I chopped up all my vegetables and fruits, kept them all in separate bowls, otherwise I'd have had a leek and rhubarb soup pot, and that would have been horrendous. That could Uh, work, but I mean, maybe not. You need a divided saucepan. Yeah, or one of those three-level pressure cookers. Or one of those. So I cooked my apple and rhubarb, emptied that out, put my strawberries and rhubarb to make a little sort of jam thing, because I bought strawberries for the pims for the Eurovision party, did that. Then I washed the saucepan out between the next one, because I was making leek and potato soup. Good shout, yeah. I didn't mind the apple intermingling with the rhubarb and strawberry, so I've got those on the go. Um, Not enough sugar in the strawberry and rhubarb, it's a little tart, but uh, we all like a small pastry. Shut up. Ah, yeah, I need to make... um... An apple and strawberry crumble. I think we're going to do later on the on the grounds that I have some apples and I have some strawberries, and really they should be eaten. Yes, because I had too much compote, so I'm eating up the strawberry and the rhubarb. I have put the apple and the rhubarb in my freezer. I have Schrodinger's freezer. Is it on? Is it off? We only find out when we get food poisoning. So I've eaten everything very quickly. <laughs> do you want a pie? Because if you come around, you can have four pies. 
there's there's not there's really not very much in it now, but um I thought rhubarb and apple I would risk. I'm down on needle and fed if you are. Yeah, pretty much, apart from the uh, amazing green bean casserole. But that was a recipe from Pioneer Woman. Put a link in the old show notes there. Excellent. Involves panko breadcrumbs, which is all right in my book. What have, have we seen, seen this week? What have we seen this week? Hey. I like this so much, I've already tweeted it from the Day of Fun Show, at the Day of Fun Show account, which is that a lady whose name I don't know and can't be bothered to look at went to London Comic Con in a great cosplay idea, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and beautifully executed. Already a terrific idea, but the best thing she did was recreate, as I mentioned a lot, the end of the first episode with Titus in his not Iron Man costume. She went up to lots of Iron Men, took their hands, sort of pulled the exuberant pose from the middle of Times Square, and they all looked deeply confused as to what was happening, and it's absolutely brilliant. It was amazing work, and her costume was spot on. Oh, it's so good. So Jessica and I are going to go to a party as Kimmy and Jacqueline. Jessica's Kimmy, I'm Jacqueline. Answers on a postcard as to who you think will be who. But Jessica's Elsa and I would be Anna? Yeah, probably. No, no, you're oh. Elsa and I'm Olaf. We've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> it's really odd. I'd be like, oh, which, which of the sisters are you? Well, Jessica's definitely that one. But I am the stupid snowman. But I already have Anna hair. That's the only thing. Welcome to the world of wigs. <laughs> I was going to say, it'll give you an opportunity to get out the wigs. So. I actually have Happy. a wig that I could use as Anna hair. My Lana Del Rey slash Amy Pond wig yeah, you could do. definitely yeah. be adapted. Wigs. As referenced by the weird wooden board on which we've served burgers, there is a Twitter account called We Want Plates, which retweets photos of the weird things people have been served food in. You know when you get chips in a small aluminium bucket or pasta in an axe was one of them? I mean, that was, that's not a made up. That sounds like a joke. Somebody got served pasta in an axe. Uh, somebody got served, I can't remember what the dish was, but it was served in a tiny uh, urinal. Nobody wants that. Literally nobody. If you're not going to give me a plate... Then give me a trancher. Those are the two options. Crockery I would like or the trancher on something so that the gravy doesn't run all the way through. You can eat quickly. And then I would be able to eat the trancher afterwards. Well, I was about to say for our British listeners, but I believe this section of the BBC website is international. Uh, recently on Radio 4 Extra, they had a season celebrating 25 years of the National Theatre of Brent, which is a comedy group. There are only two of them. But I re-listened to quite a few of them. Now, they were on a few weeks ago, so as of today, you have nine days. I think this should go up tomorrow, so you'll have eight days to listen to it. But that's a week. And they do The Life of Jesus Christ. And it's the National Theatre of Brent, which is... What's his name? Desmond Olivier Dingle and Wallace, or better known as Patrick Barlow and Jim Broadbent. And I reckon that I must have heard the first broadcast in 1996 where there's a line where Wallace says, You're wearing the Jesus outfit again. And I've not heard this since, but I can confirm that it is as funny. But we do keep saying the words, you're wearing the Jesus outfit again. It comes up several times a year. Yeah, absolutely. So I recommend that our listeners go and seek that out. I believe the radio player section of iPlayer is international, but not the television bit. But it's it's radio, yep. so that's fine. Because you won't have paid your licence fee. Scroungers! What have we seen this week? That's what we saw this week. Hey! <laughs> oh. I'm going to go and have one of my death pies now. Exciting, I'm going to eat some more ginger snaps. The the Guinness cake it was very moist, so that has lasted, but my fairy cakes... A bit are, dry? Mm, yeah. I Hockey do pops. like water icing after two days, because it develops a real good crunch, but the cake itself is a little sad. Aww. Ooh, pop them in the microwave for like ten seconds. Vanilla ice cream. I have no ice cream. Oh yeah, freezer. Pop them in the microwave for like ten some, seconds. Some defrosted peas. Eat them. Yeah. Hot cakes. 
then I could sell them as well. All right, Jessica. Well, this has been a real slice. Um, if anyone would like me to talk more about badgers, you can call me. <laughs> okay, bye. See you in two. Okay, bye. Oh, we've not done that for weeks. I'll keep that in. To find out more and to read show notes for this and past episodes, you can visit our website at rosieandjessica.co.uk. You can email us at hello at rosieandjessica.co.uk. And you can follow us on Twitter at The Day of Fun Show. Don't forget you can find all of our archives and leave reviews and ratings on iTunes. See you soon.